We are in search of tracks podcast, and you are losing your vitamin C. I'm Pete. I'm Bob. What's up, Bob? Oh, nothing. Do you know how I got ready for tonight's episode, Pete? Lots of vitamin C. No, I, I actually should grab some. Uh, I uh, though right now all I have around are like uh, the the Target knockoff of like Flintstone chewables. Oh, okay. I'm sure those are chock full of vitamin C. No, I'm sure they are. I prepped for tonight's episode by having a five-month-old baby scream in my ear for a solid hour. I mean, that'll so, wake you up at least. <laughs> wake wake you up for the getting down. How are you? How did you? <laughs> how did you prep for today's episode? I mean, I'm I'm feeling a little a little sleepy, but I feel like I have no place to complain. Um, I just uh, my wife is teaching a yoga class, and I made a little dinner for myself, a soup and salad, you know, so I had a pretty mellow time. I listened to the Tim Dillon podcast. Oh, nice. All right. All right. uh, That was my evening. I got to say, so I did just have a baby on my face because my significant other was uh, on a work call that was about two hours after her her stop time for the day. So, So it was a little bit like, you know, I'm not mad, but that irk that you get when you and you know, your wife, your girlfriend, whatever, uh, does a thing that causes you a significant amount of inconvenience. Um, even though, like, you get it. It wasn't wasn't totally her fault, whatever. I have to give her so much credit. One, for being uh, the light of my life and all that stuff. Two, she made these... We've been, we get bread from this bakery near us that's great. But sometimes you get bread and you don't finish it, or you get rolls, you don't finish them. And uh, we started making croutons. Okay, which is not like yo, like I shouldn't say it in some profound way. You 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 chop the, <laughs> you chop the bread up that's like slightly stale, and you know I, I don't. She does something with maybe olive oil and some some sort of light spices, and throw them in the oven for a couple minutes, and boom, there you have you have right, croutons. Right. But yo, they they enhance the experience of soup and salad so much. Oh, dude, definitely. It's, it's very pleasurable. So shout out, shout out to her. Most um, soup, she, I she need some sort that. of soup cracker or something in there. Otherwise, it's just like I don't know. You need the crunchy. That's I need some. I feel. Yeah, it's you need a texture change up for the soup. And uh, I'm full on into soup season. I'm excited for it. I've had. Um, I was up in New England not long ago, and I think I had soup for four consecutive meals, That's somewhat intentionally, but by meal four, it was just like, all right, I guess this is just convenient now. All right, here we go. New England um, clam chowder? Or are you switching it up? No, you know what? I, I, let me shout out. Let's. This is not a paid read. Um, it was called the New England Soup Factory. I, it was up in Salem, Massachusetts. And uh, it's kind of like a small place um, for a place that was called the Soup Factory. I was, you know, I was dubious at their industrial uh, name. (laughs) I would have maybe gone for a New England clam chowder. I'm sort of like, it's got to be the best of the best. Okay. Place down here called Mr. Shrimp that makes a really good one Um, and has for like 30 years. Wow. I got to check out Mr. Shrimp. Got to check it out in Belmar. Um, Belmar, Spring Lake Heights, something like that. There, but they they had a chicken noodle soup that was just like, all right, it's cold. I haven't eaten something, so let me let me do this chicken noodle. And they're like, oh, we we put the noodles in, and then you know before the soup, then pour the soup over. I was like, ah, oh, yeah, bonus, sounds good. 
they do it and they gave me a little bit of extra noodles and it was so good. Now all I'm thinking about it's making my own chicken noodle soup like that with like a little extra noodle. Oh, cool. So, uh, yeah, it was good. It was a, it was a good soup. I'm kind of like, uh, as, as noted in a very pro soup place right now. <laughs> I'm all about the soup. I'll have, I'll have hot soup on the hottest days of the summer. I do not care. Yeah. I'm a yo, weirdo about it. Yo, I, I, I'm not against it. Um, but it's been a while since I've summer. No, I've summer souped, but it's been a while. Hmm. Well, maybe next yeah. summer we'll summer soup together. Let's summer soup. So you summer soup and then you winter ice cream. <laughs> winter ice cream for sure. You, you got to. You got to. You show support to the, the businesses, the struggling businesses in their off seasons. Yeah. Um, I'm overdue for some winter ice cream. I want to do that. Maybe winter. maybe before next episode. Fuck yeah. Let's winter ice cream. All right. Um, what are we talking about this week? You tell me. We're talking about a German band called Can. And okay. we're talking about their third album. It was released okay. in 1972 called, I believe it's pronounced Eggy Bamyasi. I think that sounds right to me. Eggy Bamyasi. Yeah. Um, uh, we chose this one because we had a lot of people that wanted us to talk about Krautrock. I think I mentioned okay. this on the Brian, Brian Eno episode the other week. Yes. So... You've now heard us talk about Brian Eno, and now we're going to go into Can. Um, we didn't usually we vote on records. We didn't vote on this one. Um, I personally chose this one because it was either between Tago Mago or Eggy Bamyasi. I feel like those mm-hmm. are the two kind of go-to Can records. Okay. And I'm pretty familiar with Tago Mago, and I hadn't revisited this one in a while. So strictly out of my own self-interest, I said, let's talk about Eggy Bamyasi. I, I am so curious about this. I was completely unfamiliar with the <clears> band <throat> uh, or this record. You need to inform me and, and, and tell me about them. And um, I got to say, uh, w- the name of this podcast is In Search of Tracks. And there were moments, and we'll get to my full feelings... <laughs> Where I thought I was in a very dark cave with a flashlight without <laughs> without batteries going, where are the tracks? But we'll get there. Um, how did you get into this band and this record? Um, that's a good question. I was living in San Francisco. I lived down the street from Amoeba Records at the time. Okay. Um, I would go in there all the time. Um, yes. When people were going out and partying on Friday nights. I was digging in the trenches of the dollar bins at Amoeba records much of the time. I Um, did a lot of Friday nights at the Amoeba down in Hollywood. It's a Um, great hang. I loved it. It really is. And and like uh, unbelievable quantity and quality of stuff. Yeah. At Amoeba records. Just they, the amount of stuff they would get in and turn over. Like I'd go and check their new used section. Yep twice a week and was just always amazed always, always amazed. yeah i mean and even i'm talking about like the bins that are under the yeah like oh, under the you. major bins creeping like the, the yeah. things that i would never creep around with during like like when the store is busy mm-hmm. um but man some crazy finds um but that being said i became friends with this guy that worked there named keith um okay. i hope keith is doing well i have no idea where he is now um, I believe he moved back to Colorado, but he was a very okay. nice guy. And uh, 
he was a drummer. He was into a lot of cool music. And he was like, man, you're a drummer and you don't know about this band. Can you have to listen to this band? Okay. See, and, here uh, we are. We're in a good space. This is, I knew it was coming here. Yeah. Because and, this is a drummer's band, right? Like, you know it, right? I mean, I think it's just like a musician's band, really. But like, uh, okay. But yeah, I but mean, it's, the, the it's drums like, definitely lead the charge. Yes. Yes. Yeah. We can say that. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> but he, I mean, actually, speaking of the new arrivals band, they had, a record called Cannibalism, okay. um, which is just like, it's basically a greatest hits of can. So he, I think it was like 20 bucks. Okay. And usually I don't buy records blind like that, but he had so much faith that I would like love it that I, like, I bought Go it in. and I was totally in. So all right. All right. I started I'm that. It. Yeah. Okay. And you, you had no experience with them at all? No experience, no familiarity. You just told me more about them than I knew ever. Okay. Um, German band didn't know that, so um, didn't really do any homework on this in terms of like trying to find out about it because I knew you had some and figured it was nice to just kind of roll. Like, yeah. Okay. Let me hear. So because I'm I'm gonna bet there's a lot of other people who are in the same boat as me, and a lot of times it's nice to have somebody who's kind of the stand-in for the audience who's like, wait, what's this about? What's this band? What's this record? So. Uh, what what more can you tell me about the band Can? Because this is their third album that we're discussing. Yeah, so they and their third album, and just so you know, the record before this, Tago Mago, is a double album, so it would have been a little bit more work on our end. Oh boy, um, okay. this one is a little bit more concise, and I feel uh-huh. like for that reason, a lot of people consider this their their apex. So I thought it would be a good pick, but. Mm-hmm. Um, Experimental rock band from Cologne, Germany. Um, I think they formed in 1968. Okay. Um, all of the players in the band came from like avant-garde and jazz backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were all like serious music people. Um, mm. They're. I'm kind of reading from Wikipedia and kind of going off my head. They. No, it's a nice blend. I like it. They definitely were like when you think of Krautrock, this is probably the band that comes to mind. Um, yeah. Either Can or Noi really would, I think, be two of the bands, but Can are probably much bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, let me see. They had a few different singers. Um, Damo Suzuki is the guy that sings on this album, um, and he sang on most of their most popular albums, Tago Mago, Eggy Bamyasi, Future Days, um, and I think soundtracks too. Yeah. Um, Malcolm Mooney was their first singer. Um, and this is on Wikipedia, which I thought was funny. Um, apparently he was told by a psychiatrist that getting away from cans, quote unquote, chaotic music would be good for his mental health. So he mm. left the band at a certain point. And, uh, that's about it. I think, after this, can put out Future Days, which is really, really good um, as well. I think it's 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 a little more straightforward. It's not as jazzy. Mm-hmm. Um, it might be my favorite Can record. Okay. Um, and then Damo Suzuki left after that record to become a, a Jehovah's Witness with his wife. Nice, nice. And uh, I think less he's chaotic. still doing music, actually. Yeah, but a lot less chaotic. <laughs> Um, but that's the deal. I mean, like, but really I think the important thing is just that they're like kraut rock pioneers. Okay. Yeah, sure. Okay. I'm with it. Um, 
I, I will kind of play the uh, the standard. Um, this is considered their peak by some. Is do you share that opinion, or or because you've mentioned the double album a few times? Yeah, I think I think Future Days, the one that comes after this, might be my favorite. Um, okay. which is not it's it's not an unpopular opinion. I'm sure that people who are into Can, a lot of people would agree. But Can has so many albums mm. that it's tough. I'm sure there are some fans that like the later stuff. They have a lot of cool stuff after Damo Suzuki left. But um, typically, I think people are going to say either Tago Mago, Eggy Bamyasi, or Future Days. Okay. True. So, so yeah, this is um, this is like one of the one of the three that people would probably cite. Yeah, I'm with that. I would say, hmm, like I have questions, but I don't know if they're better to get to during the flow. They might be. Um, how old were you when you got into this record? You were living in San Francisco, so 21, yeah, two, nine, 19, 20, probably. Okay, that sounds right. Okay. This is a very interesting record, and I'm kind of excited to talk about it. Um, do we do we want to go track by track? Do you have anything before we get into it? Let me just ask, just because I'm curious, oh, maybe please. for future episodes. Yeah. So, so Krautrock is a genre. What do you know about it? Do you know anything about it? Do you are there any favorite mm-hmm. albums, bands, anything? Minimal. Let me take a. Just let me see if there's anything. Like, I'm thinking new, like new. I I. I know of but okay. i can't i've n- i've never put it on for myself you know what i mean let me look here um i'm trying to see if there's anything that really stands out now man no nothing nothing i'm looking none of this so this is have you explored this extensively i'm not gonna say ex- i feel like i just know the greatest hits okay okay um i mean I obviously I go a little bit deep on it, but it's not like I'm sh- there are kraut rock heads out there that know things that I've never even heard of for sure. So, so, so here's what I'm going to tell you is on a purely pulled level, I would not have assumed this is what kraut rock sounded like. Fair um, enough. What were you thinking? More, uh, more synthy, more like more, experimental noisy more yeah more more leaning into the synth and like the pre post-punk pre new wave kind of like vibe i'd say like like proto is a better word than pre you know like like hey this is not this is the mc5 to that kind of world yeah you know where it's like you know this is you know somebody wants to call the mc5 punk they can but like i don't think that's right or to either side but you can see why it's like oh okay yeah i can understand this as like yeah. a starting point and the energy's there you know totally um okay craft work yeah i, kn- I know craft work a little bit but like, okay um, so yeah i mean and that's the thing too like like kraut rock is it's it's much like grunge where it's mm-hmm. like there's no real like sound i guess like you could argue there is but like it, it's really all over the place like you can listen to tangerine dream and that's much more synthy and mm-hmm. kind of like like soundtracky or you can listen to craft work which is kind of like fully formed like like electronic music although i guess their their early stuff sounds more like can in the way that it's like a little jazzier and more experimental yeah but then there's like 
Faust, which is total noisiness, which like yes. is probably what you're thinking of. That's that that <clears throat> is the one I've I've heard. Um, yes, and it's not something I've gone back to, but I've heard that band. You know, it's not so the that, easiest listen. <laughs> here's my thing. I really, really think that uh, if for some reason you're hearing this, and you're like, eh, maybe I'm not going to listen to this. I'm not sure. Um, I implore you to listen to it, not because whether you've heard another Krautrock record at all, um, if these other names that we're mentioning sound at all familiar, because for me, they're largely not. But if you were familiar with or curious about the time period of music of the early 70s. I think this record is wildly, um, you know, what is that? It's it's like, it's got this weird Venn diagram angle of it where it's like, maybe it's three circles, but it could be as many as five or six where it's like, oh, you know, like where, whose record collection can this fit in? And I'm I'm really uh, when listening to it, um, I was like, oh, this this in a time and place sense, this makes sense to me. Like I can register it and go, this is really interesting because it f- could fit in the record collection of somebody who's listening to this and somebody who's listening to that. And you might not put those two things together, but they are certainly all over this record. So yeah. I'm kind of excited to talk about that. Um, yeah, I, I I think it's um, it's a record I've seen before. Like I've seen the cover. I don't not. Yeah, the not cover's the kind hand, of iconic you know? for sure. Yo, let me spoil something on that. I think it sucks. I hate the record cover. <laughs> I hate it. Like maybe my least favorite record cover of any record that oh, we've done. Oh man, so far. I'm so into it. I mean, it's okay. just it's like it's like Warhol, but it just with okra. I know. I want to say like, yeah, like guys, the Warhol thing, like there's bands who've done it a, like so many iterations of this stupid thing at this point, right? Yeah. The but this, but this was like so right good. as it happened. I know. You know, I mean, it's not it's not like it was 40 years later and a million people had done it. And and yeah, so so it's not only that, but and I'm not, you know, whatever. This is just I like You're it. You're right. But, the first bootlegger should always get the most credit. I, I think they should. Um, <laughs> but but it's also it's an actual can that one of the dudes found in a Turkish shop, apparently. Um, okay, so that helps. That helps the legend. So it's just some. Oh. It's it's just such like weirdo shit. They're just like, what do we put on the cover of the album? Let's. I found this cool looking can, and our name is Can. So let's do it. <laughs> it's yeah, like I, so I get on it. the nose. It's hilarious. I get it. Um, okay, I am excited to talk about this. Um, Pete, first thing before we even get into the tracks, are there tracks on this record? Um, like singular, is there a track? I don't think there's a track on this record. Um, Ready for it? What's that? I think there might be one track. Okay. I'd like to guess what it is. Do you want to guess now or as we're going through? Let's. I'm going to guess as we're going through. Sounds good. Let's do it. All right. And I got some questions and follow questions at the end for you. Don't let me forget. Oh, I can't wait. All right. The first song is Pinch. Oh, cool. I'm like a 
say that when i when i i want to get your feedback but it's just yeah i have i have to say when i started the record um uh i was listening to it on spotify on yep. my television actually and i had the volume up really loud without knowing it and immediately it kind of starts with this like this sharp kind of staticky sound and then goes yep. into the song and my cat immediately jumped up and like ran away he hated it so that was very funny. Yeah, gr- great start to a record, guys. Yeah. Scaring animals. <laughs> um, do you think it's a bold decision to start a record with a nine and a half minute song that includes slide whistles as your opening track? <laughs> it's pre- it's pretty bold. I mean, they know their audience at this point. You know, they this okay. is their third record, so so the context matters. Like, like I, I guess. <laughs> Is that what you do with bands you've been in? You're like, ah, it's our third record. Let's throw that slide whistle on track one. Fuck it. Maybe that's yeah. That's maybe that's why none of my bands have ever made it. That makes sense. Yo, have any of your have any of your bands done three records? Like, like, and and we'll count EPs as well. Um, I mean, yeah, like like, but records that count. You know what I mean? Bands I was in did, but after I quit. um, Okay. uh, Three records. Um. Yes, but um, not all physical, if that matters. Okay. Yeah. No, you know, I mean, I think the fact that you didn't get the slide whistle in is that's that's on you now. We were close. It could have happened. It could have potentially happened, but no nine and a half minute songs. So I don't care for this song. The percussion is super fucking fun. Like, not to get cursy here, but there's different sections to the song. The drums are at the front, um, and that's not necessarily in the mix, but they are something that you're drawn to when you're listening to this, and I am not typically that kind of listener. You know what I mean? Whereas I think because you do play drums, sometimes you're drawn to that. Not always, but sometimes. Yeah. On this record, I felt myself pulled into the percussion. Um, First listen, I was seven minutes through the song, and I almost texted you like, Pete, did did I upset you? What what <laughs> record did I pick that you like vengeance picked this? Oh man. Um but I didn't hate it. And I, I, I wrote notes to this like that it's the song is cool to break it apart, but it's not the kind of like pull you in listen uh-huh. that you'd hand to someone. You know what I mean? Like, oh here, check out this song. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. That's going mean, to be my recurring theme as we go through this. Is not a mixtape band. The difference between a song and a listening experience, because I think this record is wholly a listening experience. Correct. And at points, gets to songs. So yeah, to your point, it's completely a 
it's, it's an entire listening experience. And I think that that right. it's not the kind of thing that you can just give this to somebody. I think like, like I mentioned at the beginning, my friend Keith gave it to me, but I think he knew that I was into kind of longer form weird music. Yeah. So, so it, it wouldn't be as jarring for me and I'd be kind of ready for it. If you're giving this to someone cold, you have to know that they're kind of, they're going to be able to vibe with this sort of thing. So I, it's funny Obviously, the podcast is called In Search of Tracks. I didn't even think about whether there are tracks going into this because I already knew that I liked the record. Right. But but yeah, it's a it's a it's an experience. It is not there are no mixtape tracks here. It's not like there's no greatest hits really. Um so yeah, it's a different kind of listen. Yeah, no, and and I mean I think as I alluded to, I think there's there's a track. Um and there's a couple songs that stand out more so to me in different ways. This isn't it. I think that this song, quote unquote, it's a lot of parts. It's so experimental and they're really pulling from a bunch of different buckets. And that's where without doing homework on them. And usually I do, I try to see what the reference points are, but all I knew was the name of the band, the record and when it came out. So I was thinking about sonic influences and I think from open right here on this track, you start to go, okay, so it's sort of, you know, it's got kind of some psych elements. It's got some very experimental rock stuff going on and a really different idea of what they want to do with the rhythm section. So I was in, you know, so I'm, I'm curious and I'm in for the listening experience, but this song didn't do it for me. Okay. Fair enough. I like that you went in without having any idea. That's that makes it more interesting, actually. It's fun. We don't always have those opportunities, so when we get it, I like to try to. For sure, um, I like this song a lot. Um, coming in as someone who knows the band, I'm not scared of a nine nine and a half minute song, and it it feels like quintessential can in that it's like a jazzy drum beat with some like bongos and weird instruments around there, but it's also psychedelic. Um, I'm into it. Okay, cool. Sing Swam Song. Sing Swan Song. Sing Swan Song. Sorry. Yeah. Autocorrect. Kill me there. <laughs> um, what did you think of this one? Good. Uh, okay. It's a much better structure. Cool. It has this kind of wobbly feel, but as an, a song, in song, it flows really well. Um. I think this is one of my favorites on the record. Yeah, top three. For me. <clears throat> top three. Um, I think here's where I start to go, oh, okay, okay. They've got a really unique sense of melody. Um, you hear that here. Because it's not a nine-minute long, more what I think of as an experimentation than actually a song, here we go. They were writing a song. So I was like, okay, it's it's good. Um, not Not like uh earth shattering but i did like it and i thought that it was a really efficient use of some of the elements that came in the first song as well yeah no perfectly said i agree with you i like this song a lot um the only other thing to note here is that um if you're a kanye west fan uh the song drunken hot girls he took the vocal melody from this song so it's he kind of like makes this can reference. I think he also samples can in the song, but yeah, it's funny little Easter egg. Well, that that's really noteworthy because I think I said this about Brian Eno. I'll say it strongly about this record. This has got so many parts that I feel have been sampled. Yeah, and could be sampled more. 
and that feel familiar in a like, oh, if this wasn't sampled, someone who was familiar with this band or this record specifically stole this part to write their TV show theme song jingle. <laughs> you know, like yeah. there's parts on this that I'm like, oh, that sounds like this SVU music, like dun dun dun, like not the whole Law and Order thing, but like there's little elements of very catchy um, fragments. And, and, you know, that kind of is what makes for good sampling, in my opinion. For sure. Yeah. I feel like, last thing I'll say on this song, honestly, they could make like an hour-long version of this song and I would be in. Like certain... Oh, certain, interesting. Okay. Certain, certain like, like grooves that can hit. Yes. I feel like I could just listen to them forever. And that's where this band is so much more of an experience than like having tracks, you know? Yo, I agree with you in certain points. There's there this song. When you said that, I was like, oh, so how do they? What's the bridge? You know what I mean? How do they? How do they do this song with this groove and keep the repetition? Yeah, um, and make it something kind of interesting. I, I, this song could be longer. They could have. They could have taken. So pinch the first song, which nine and a half minutes. It doesn't have the groove that you get in Sing Swan Song. You know, um, you just, it just doesn't, it, yeah. to me, it doesn't. And you get little elements of funk creeping in, um, which I think is a big part, um, but you get there later more so. Yeah. And um, yeah, you could do a longer version of the song. It would work totally. Sick. I'm sure someone did it. <laughs> Next one. One more night. So this one to me feels like it's it's like a different version of the first song in a way. Um, it has that kind of quintessential like jazzy driving rigid beat, but like yep. it's a little off kilter. It's like yeah, yeah it's, I was gonna say there's a there's an element to me that this feels like free jazz in a way. Yeah, you know? for sure. Um, but like these strange sounds going on in the background, yep. Yep. the vocals. I mean, he I think. Damo Suzuki improvised all of the vocals, but this one, it feels particularly improvised to me. Whereas like sing swan song, it feels like he could have mapped that out prior to recording. Yeah. Um, at some point sounds like there's like drills or lasers happening in the background. Pretty cool song. It's like, it flows with the vibe of the record and I like it, but it's not like a standout to me. Yeah. Um, well said, I think I actually like it a significant, amount more than pinch but it may be uh outlasts its welcome but i enjoyed the parts that you could p- peel apart i i think there's elements of this song that are really neat that are hinting at some of the things i like as we continue moving forward nice 
Vitamin C. Bob, is this the track? No. Ah. My comment was, eh. <laughs> this is the can song, right? Like, this is a big track for them. Yeah, I believe that this was on, this was like the theme song for a TV show in Germany or something at some point. And that was, or actually, no, I, am I wrong? Am I wrong? I, yeah, I think, I think it was this song. Well, I, I like the beat of it. I like some of where it goes, but it's just okay overall. The you're losing, you're losing chorus uh-huh. is really catchy in a very weird way. So this is probably my fourth favorite song on the record, but it's just okay. Like I, maybe I had higher hopes for it if I'm being real, but uh, it grew on me by third listen. I liked it. First listen, I didn't. It just didn't hold me in. So okay, that, that's that's part of it. Interesting. I mean, I really like the you're losing, you're losing, you're losing part. Um, it's yep. I, th- I feel like it's super catchy, and it's one of those things that I'm curious. I'm curious to talk to you about this like a year from now because once I heard this song. I noticed it in places. Oh, um, interesting. Okay. Where it's just it's it's around. Like I mean, definitely in record shops, obviously. But um, I don't know. You'll randomly hear it here and there, and it's uh, it's definitely like the can track. True. 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 Um, yeah. It's 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 a fun. It's not a cut track. Like pinch is a cut track to me. Um, vitamin C is fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, soup. Soup, another 10-minute song, your favorite. Yo, but this one, I really enjoyed. Uh, oh, sick. This song, to me, is the midway of psych and funk. Okay. It's like very experimental, very layered. Um, a good driving song, but a better headphones listen. Yeah. When you listen to this, you hear what's going on. Whereas, to be honest, like Pinch, having done it both... The headphones listen didn't make it better. It it made it more experiential and going like, okay, there's there's some stuff going on here. But soup, I I think they found a melody and I think they this is where I was like, okay, see, this is what you should have been trying to do. It's experimentation, but with a real sense of tune like a tuneful sense that um you know, as a song, it still loses me kinda. Sure. But as a listening experience, I'm here for it. I'm, I'm into this one. I'm surprised, man. I was I thought I thought this one would take you right out of it. But yeah, no. I mean, it's definitely the funkiest song on the album. Well, and and like so, I can get in on that. Like I do like some funk, and that's one of the things I was thinking. I was like, oh, you know, 1972. Somebody who likes this, and you know, uh, likes Parliament or has the trouble man soundtrack like the trouble man soundtrack is what i kept coming back to on this and then like this the end of this record basically the b-side i'm like this could totally sit next to that record in somebody's collection and yeah and it would work and that's weird to say especially now knowing more and being like oh this german krautrock band um but but like sonically i'm there for it and I, I think it's like oh okay like there's hints and stuff that that really get there and so the difference between soup and you know uh, some of the what I consider like sing swan song, um, sing swan song is a song. Soup is halfway, more so a listening experience. Yeah, and pinch is fully a listening experience. You know. Yeah. Um, 
and what makes a song different than a listening experience it's like well you know look i'm not some asshole like yes that's a pinch is a song but more so like when you're listening to it there's no there's no pickup there's no catch to it vitamin c is a song because there's a catch to that that lyric there it'll get in your head it can kind of give you a rhythm there's there's lots of non-lyrical songs there's there's lots of instrumental stuff that kind of um, you immerse yourself in not because it's a soundscape, but because you uh, find a rhythm to it. And and it's not as if Pinch doesn't have rhythms, but it's plurality. And there's a lot, it's almost like there's too much going on for there to be a, a thread that carries through that pulls everything together. Does that make right. sense? Yeah, it makes sense to me. Okay. Um, I mean, yeah, this is like half groove song, half noise track as far as I'm concerned. Um, this yeah. one, for, for whatever reason, this song in particular sounds more like a live band. Um, oh, yeah. Okay. Like, like like the rest of the songs, it sounds like they could have mapped them out. This one, it really feels like they um, were like playing it as kind of a one-off, um, which I, I thought about that as I was listening to it. And then I read more about it and it turns out that um, they actually did, they, they, they did, I think do it in maybe one take. Um, apparently they finished the record and yeah. then the label was like, you need 10 more minutes. <laughs> so they went back and uh, they just went in the next morning and they wrote and played and recorded this song in like one night. So, one of those nights, one it's of those crazy nights. Yeah, yeah. Pretty hot, like impromptu song. But yeah, it's like, I mean, one of the things that about Can that I think is so cool, and I, I feel like actually they, they do it best maybe in the next two songs in different ways, but ding, they ding. like, they catch this groove and then they like effortlessly switch into this different groove. And it's it's something that like that's where like they're a musician band to me because they do yeah. these things that are so subtle, but that are like are actually such drastic shifts in the song. Yes. It's like it's a really, really hard thing to do, but they do it without like in a way that you wouldn't even notice it unless you're doing like the deep headphones listen. Yes. I think I think that's actually really well said. Um last note on soup, and I think it plays to pinch a little bit. There's a level of experimentation, and I haven't used this, but on these longer tracks, they're not a jam band by any stretch. But there's a jamming element here. Oh, um, definitely. Which yeah. is funny and weird when you put it in these other levels. But then you go, okay, this is 1972, and experimentation is kind of becoming the norm. And not just experimentation of like different things you can do with your instruments but different sounds that you can incorporate you know um so so i think that's an underrated part of this record is that someone who's really into the more like eclectic or eccentric style of music could could find themselves drawn to this record and go oh cool like there's a lot going on there's a lot to pull apart I, I can you can you can you can immerse yourself in this record like a blanket very easily. So for sure, yeah, definitely. I'm so green. All right, is this the track? Best track on here. All right, it nails the midway of that psych and funk thing I was talking about. Yeah, uh, I think there's hints of Jimi Hendrix okay. and funk with jazz inspired drumming. 
There's like really good rat-a-tat drum stuff going on here. At the same time, it's got these weird spacey parts to it. Yeah. Um, and I think it informs this era so nicely because I was like, yo, this could fit between Electric Ladyland, the Trouble Man soundtrack, and a David Bowie record very easily. Yeah, no doubt. And that is a weird <clears throat> and that is a unique thing to say. And I think you could put this song on a mix and it would maybe not be the person's favorite song on the record on the mix, but it might be the most interesting and intriguing because it's, yeah. it's a different kind of thing going on. And I say all that and I think they were able to on this song specifically find some level of success infusing that different stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, and I don't, I can't, you know, level of unfamiliarity with Krautrock, a whole lot of music out there that I haven't heard. I can't cite a lot of other things that I think brought together that bridge the gap between like the psych and kind of more what was going on guitar rock in America in the late sixties and, you know, elsewhere, but mostly the U S and then what was going on with funk of the early to mid seventies. And yeah. this does. It definitely does. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm not surprised. This is probably my second favorite song on the record behind sing swan song. Okay. Yeah. The sing swan song is my third. favorite. Song. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I agree with everything you said. I feel like, and I feel like it's true. Like the guitars on this song feel a little more forward. Yeah, and they're a little yeah, more yeah. melodic. Like, mm-hmm. whereas the drums kind of lead the charge on the other tracks. I feel like this one is a little bit more guitar driven. Yep, and that um, might explain a little bit more of why, like, I I'm I'm sucker for it. Sure. Um, and again, it just has that thing that I feel like they do so well, which is just like it turns into this really cool build, but like mm-hmm. it does so in this way that you don't even notice it's happening until it's like halfway through the build. Yeah, there's there's that. Yeah, you said it very well. Um, on a headphones listen, you can you can um, you can observe it, but it's the way you see someone pivot, not turn around. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it's like when when a dancer, a skilled dancer, spins on the ball of their foot or the heel of their foot, and you don't know how they move their body like that. All you know is that. You know, one second they were facing to the left and the next they were facing to the right and it all looked so smooth, but you don't totally know how they did that. Right. Yeah, for sure. Last song, Spoon. second best song to me uh they're fully in their pocket okay um they found the groove this song's bouncier than 
a lot of the other songs. But this is where I think they pulled that experimentation to the center okay. to create this really like this is a big one. A lot of layered textures of sound that work in this with unique melodies in this very memorable way. Like this is a good song. Um and I didn't on car listen, I don't know if I picked it up as much. And when I did the headphones listens, I was really pulled down on this one. Yeah, I actually had the same experience this time where this song never really took me in all that much. And my first listen was just kind of hanging out around the house. And then my second listen was the headphones listen and it had a different effect. Um, It's a great song. I really, really like it. Um, The and I have to actually correct myself. I was completely wrong about vitamin C being the song that was used as a theme song. Um, It was this song, actually. Um, it charted, oh, right. it charted in the top 10 in Germany, um, because it was like, it was, uh, the theme song for this German thriller at the time. Um, and that's Weird. actually where they made the money to record this album. And they had a lot more money to record this album than they did previous albums because of this song. So, um, weird TV theme, but yeah. Hey, whatever works. Yeah. Okay. I'm with it. All right. <laughs> so overall, my take is this is a really odd record, but if you give it the time and attention, one, it's a full listening experience and there's a lot going on. Two, I don't know what you do while listening to this record. That was going to be my question. I was going to say, <laughs> what's, what's the best context for listening to this record? Okay. Uh, I was thinking about that. I was really thinking about it. Um, I think it's best listened to on headphones, but it's not really a manual labor record. Um, no. You know, it, it's, you know, maybe it's the kind of thing you listen to. So you could probably listen to it while you're doing spreadsheet work, but it, it's a, it is a bit chaotic for that. Like to be really honest, like yeah. if you were just crunching stuff. It might be tough. Um, Oh, okay. It's good. It's the best. It's, you can listen to this while you're welding. This is for welding. <laughs> if you're a welder, you should listen to this. Um, no, I, I really think... Record store clerk comes to record mind. Record store... Uh, you know, I think that I would like to know somebody who's really into jazz, what their opinions <clears> are on <throat> this record. Because I think there's... Jazz is a world I'm... If I said... 99% unfamiliar with. I think that's accurate. Yeah. But it is a world where I know there's kind of this beauty in the the flow and how it goes and sometimes it gets chaotic. And sometimes it's borderline discordant in terms of like where the songs are going and structures and it falls apart and is chaotic. And I think somebody who's a jazz music fan could find a lot they would like on this record. So, um, so oh, absolutely. Yeah. I don't know what you would go to with this as far as what you should be doing, but I'm going to say welding. <laughs> I like that answer. Okay. Um, who do you think this record is for? Um, deep music fans, drummers, <laughs> people who yeah. like music of the early 70s, um, people who like funk music but don't think they've found the funk records that I like the most. Um, 
Yeah. Um, and people who like going, oh, okay, you could also listen to this record while you're walking around a museum. Or welding. Or welding. Those are the two. Like <laughs> You can go to MoMA or the Guggenheim and listen to this record and feel good. Or you could be, you know, uh, fixing a stop sign. <laughs> I love it. It's perfect. Yeah. Um, is this record relevant? I think it totally is, actually. I, I, I feel like this is a band that you can, if you're, if you're, a, I mean, to your point about it being for like deep music nerds. Yeah. Um, it's, it's kind of like, Eno, like, we're like, yeah, does it sound, it sounds a little dated in certain ways, sure. But in certain ways, it also feels like it's like the future of rock and roll. You know, oh, like, yeah, like I want to give this, there's, there's two people who I know who are musicians under the age of 21, who I, I kind of want to get their opinions on this because I think can is flexing and stretching their muscles in a way that <clears throat> others don't period. And they were able to fuse together and like, it's like fusion is this hot word, right? But fusion kind of, sometimes that means two things are just put together to me this when they succeed it's synthesized you know it's 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 blended together it's it's in unison and um it's pretty impressive so is it relevant Eh, relevance is a weird one could this be impactful for someone who creates music or is interested in making music absolutely there's a lot going on here yeah um is it too long no, actually. Yeah, I, I don't think, think so either. It's 40 minutes. It, The song Pinch, it's it, it, like, yo, we've had a string here. We've had records that have rough starter songs. Oh, um, yeah, true. But this is um, like, to, and it was funny you mentioned the the record label saying, hey, we, <laughs> we need you to, to stretch this out a little bit. Yeah, it makes sense. They delivered if they deliver a record that was clicking in at like 30 minutes on the dot or 31, 32 minutes, they might be like, yo, this we need something else here. Bulk this up. Um no, I think it doesn't over it doesn't overstay its welcome. Yeah, I agree. I think it's like a perfect length for this kind of thing. Um, does it feel disjointed or slapped together at all to you? No, it feels chaotic in points, but it doesn't feel like it was slapped to, slapped together. It feels thought out. It feels intentional. Is there any world in which you're keeping pinch? Like if it went in the middle of the record or at the end of the record, or you just don't like the track period? <sighs> so I don't like the track period, but uh, but I don't like hate is the wrong word. I don't hate it. There is a way you could make it work better, but I almost feel like it's done in a way that is. Sometimes people want to make a dense thing, right? Yeah. Right. And I think that that's why they would. So I won't even I won't even don the idea of like, oh, hey, maybe if they move it midway, like would this work better as the the last song on the Azod? Sure. To me, but also I think they wanted to create an experience where like you have to dig 6 feet down before you get to the good shit. So True. Yeah. Makes sense to me. Yeah. Yo, uh, I don't know a single, I mean, I know the lyric, the chorus to vitamin C, the lyrics I understood seemed fine, not particularly <laughs> pulled me in. Yeah. Um, 
and I don't know how I'd compare them to their contemporaries. But uh, I thought that was all fine. And some of the songs are very memorable. And they have parts of songs that are very memorable. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I think there are parts of songs that are very memorable. Um, But overall, like there are only so many hooks on this. That's true. You know? Yeah. I mean, I think we identified almost all of them. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. So... So yeah, I mean, it's a memorable listening experience. I'll say that, but like, are there memorable songs specifically? Not, not really. Yeah, um, yeah. The, I mean, I, I, I mean, think, the, parts I think, of songs though. I, I don't yeah. know. It's tough to say. Yeah, yeah. Um. So timelessness. We kind of touched on this. Does it strictly yeah. exist in a time and a place? I feel like it's influence. It's influence definitely, definitely spreads. I mean, this is like your favorite band's favorite band shit. Um, but, and and I think that they're very similar to Eno in the way that, you know, you can take pieces. They're similar to the Melvins too. They're similar to like a lot of the bands that we've talked about in the last couple mm-hmm. of weeks where like you can take pieces from it and nobody will ever recognize it as, hey, you took that from Can, but you know, it's the influence is certainly there. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, I, I think that that sounds right. I can't speak to it too much. All right, presentation. I think we differ greatly. I think the cover sucks, as we've discussed. Yeah, I mean, I can't even say that it sucks because to me, it's just like this iconic Krautrock album cover. So, True. and and I don't know. I think it's tongue in cheek and funny and cool. Yeah, I wish it was better. I, I like. <laughs> Like, I mean, they don't—they don't have great album covers in general. No, I've noticed. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's for an art band. They don't have great album covers. Here's weird. the thing: holding it in your hand as a 12-inch, I feel like Mike, it might look cool. It's dope. Yeah, I feel like it might look cool. You give it a little bit of a gloss. It certainly is unique, even with the myriad of like bands who over time have pulled tried to rip on the warhol look of it or the like hey we're gonna put our name in place of like a brand on this box or this can or this bottle like even through all that it has its own look so so kudos to that um so with all that said what what are you going to give this on a star rating between one (laughs) and five stars I'm going to give it a four out of five. Wow. Um, I, I mean, I love this band. I think they're great, but I, and, and I, part of it is similar to the Eno rating I gave last week is just like the sheer influence of this band kind of can't be fucked with. And um, so I feel like they deserve a little extra just for that. But I like this record a lot. I, you know, again, this is, this isn't one of the albums that I, typically came back to for can but i see myself listening to it a lot more now that i've done the deep listen on it um the reason i'm giving it i'm not giving it a five is because what they're doing on future days is where i like them the most where there's there's less of a jazzy influence and it's more mm-hmm. rigid okay and kind of and kind of psychedelic yeah okay um i'm curious about that so that's like that's my go-to but I'm giving you're it a four st- out of still five. Four to five. All right. Yeah. What about you? Two and a half. Um, I'm intrigued by what I heard. 
there's some of it that I liked, but as I mentioned, um, I don't know how often I'll come back to it. I am going to explore. I'm going to listen to that record, as you mentioned, because I like where they kind of, when they synthesize it, it really works. But there's also stuff where I'm like, mm, you know, this isn't canonical to me in, in this, though I also think it's something people should check out. I think it's something to hear at least once, and I was happy to do so as somebody who typically likes music from the 70s. I, I As I mentioned, I'm giving it a two and a half, but if I saw it at the record store tomorrow, I'd buy it and I would All add right. it to my collection. There Pete, you go. You own this, I'm assuming. I got it. You got it. I got it. Pete's got it like that. You should get it like that by following us on social media at TracksPod on Instagram and Twitter. And you should send us those great emails that you always do at TracksPod at gmail.com. Keep them coming in. We will see you next week. Love you all.